Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, November 11th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So you've probably heard the saying that perception is reality. In other words, even if it deviates from reality, perception tends to drive our behavior. Our perception is how we interact with the world. For sure, perception is everything when it comes to financial markets. Depending on perception, you can end up with wildly different reactions to very similar data. The October CPI is a perfect example of this. The perception is now that inflation has peaked. And with that perception, we saw huge reversals in the markets yesterday. Stocks soared, treasury yields fell, the dollar tanked, gold and silver rallied. But has inflation really peaked? Well, maybe. I don't know. But if you look at the October CPI data in a vacuum, without any preconceptions, I don't think you can necessarily draw that conclusion. So the headline number was a 7.7 year-on-year increase in CPI. It's the first time in quite a while that we've seen a CPI number under 8%. And it was lower than the 7.9% projection. This is the number everybody focuses on, right? The annual headline CPI number. But It's a little bit misleading. Look at the month-on-month increase. It was 0.4%. Now, that was also better than expected, which I think feeds into the perception that inflation is cooling. But what was the month-on-month CPI in September? Do you remember? It was 0.4%. So prices increased at the same pace in October, as they did in September when you look at the month-on-month number. In fact, the increase was actually 0.44% in October. It was 0.38% in September. Both of those round to 0.4%, which is what gets reported. But in fact, prices increased slightly faster last month than they did the month before. So, That doesn't scream peak inflation, does it? Now, are price increases slowing? You can argue that is the trend. But is inflation done? I don't think you can draw that conclusion. Remember, they told us we had peak inflation over the summer. That was a head fake. And if you annualize the 0.4% CPI gains we've had over the last two months, you're over 5% on an annualized basis. That's not exactly inflation relief, right? Another reason that the year-on-year 7.7% CPI increase is a bit misleading is math. We have big month-on-month increases rolling out of the annual average. So last October, the monthly CPI gain was 0.9%. That's no longer in the calculation. So whenever you're in a high inflation environment, you will see a slowdown in increases as you move through time because big increases that happened at the beginning of the inflation spike start to roll off. So you, you would expect to see 
the numbers cool somewhat. Um, and again, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're not seeing a slowdown in price increases, but it is important to understand how the math works and not be fooled just by looking at the raw numbers. And I think that's what happens with a lot of folks in the mainstream media. The bottom line is that prices rising 7.7% in 12 months is huge. That's a big price increase, right? And also, you know, obviously 7.7, nowhere near two, which is, of course, is the magic target that the Fed is aiming for. Now, the news on core CPI was a little bit better. Core, of course, strips out the more volatile food and energy prices. I wish I could strip those out of my budget, but alas. Anyway, core CPI was 0.3% on the month and 6.3% year-on-year. Those numbers were both better than expected. Still, a 0.3% increase in core CPI in one month is a pretty big number and doesn't scream that inflation is done. Uh, It was slightly lower than the 0.4% increase in core that we got in September. Now, some of the relief that we've seen in the CPI data over the last couple of months has been from falling energy prices. Uh, That actually reversed in October. Uh, Energy prices charted a 1.8% month-on-month increase. Oil prices back on the way up. And with the elections over, I'm not sure the Biden administration is going to be so eager to sell U.S. strategic petroleum reserves into the market. So that's going to be something to watch. And of course, there's still this ongoing shortage in diesel fuel, um, which is definitely going to push those prices higher. And uh, I saw the other day in in this area, diesel prices are well over $5 a gallon. Uh, That's bad news considering how important diesel is to the uh, supply chain and logistics in the United States. Um, Also, you know, never forget that all of this CPI data understates just how much prices are actually rising. Y'all hear me say this every month when we talk about CPI, but I'm going to repeat it in case I have new listeners. The CPI uses a government formula that understates the actual rise in prices. They changed that formula back in the 1990s to make inflation be lower. The formula used in the 1970s, if we use that today, CPI actually remains closer to double those official numbers that you're hearing. So an honest CPI, and I say honest, I just mean like the old version, which probably wasn't honest either, but we'll pretend it's more honest than what we have today. We would have inflation somewhere in the 16% neighborhood. So, you know, the bottom line is if you look at these actual numbers, you kind of, again, put them in a vacuum, take away your expectations and your perceptions, the numbers themselves aren't much different than last month. But since the expectations were for worse numbers, the perception is that this is a great CPI report and inflation is toast. And as the saying goes, the perception is the reality, and that's exactly how the markets are treating it. So everybody expects, again, perception, that we're going to get the long-awaited Fed pivot. And really, that's what drove the markets yesterday. Everybody is convinced 
that this is just what the Fed needs to slow its roll. In fact, markets are starting to bet that the Fed will begin cutting interest rates again by next September. So if that's true, inflation definitely isn't toast. Now, quite frankly, I think that the Feds will probably end up cutting rates before next September. We're talking a year out. We're at 4%, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think this economy, with all of the debt, all of the mal- uh, malinvestments, all of the misallocation of resources, I don't think it can plod along a year with interest rates at 4% or even higher if the Fed does another rate hike in December. I just don't think the economy can can take it. I think something will break. I think that's when we'll see the real Fed pivot. But even so, if you look just a year out, the market's now saying, oh yeah, the Fed's going to start cutting rates. Well, what does that mean? That means they're reinstituting their inflationary policies. And, and you could argue that even today, even at 4%, we're still at a negative real interest rate, which is still inflationary. So, you know, this is far from a one battle, but again, it's the perception. So stocks soared after the CPI report came out. The Dow was up just over 1,200 points yesterday. The NASDAQ up 7.35%, broad gains in in the uh, stock market. Uh, Treasuries, the interest rates uh, fell on the Treasury, so we had a little boost in the bond market. Uh, Meanwhile, the dollar tanked. One news report called the scope of the dollar's move, quote-unquote, breathtaking. The dollar index is down 5.5% from its September high. And we could see more big drops in the dollar because, you know, so many people are long dollars and short other currencies right now. As of November 1st, international monetary market speculators were net short 77,620 contracts on the Japanese yen. That's worth $6.54 billion. There were also sizable bets against the British pound, the Australian and Canadian dollars. Um, This is all, again, from the CFTC data. So the assumption everybody had was that the dollar was going to keep rising, so that they were buying dollars and they were shorting other currencies. But the minute that momentum is lost, there's tremendous downside as everybody looks to unwind those positions. So as investors do try to unwind these trades, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the dollar. Uh, Peter Schiff thinks that we're going to see a uh, steady decline in the dollar. One analyst, uh, I think I read this in Bloomberg, said, quote, the market is less worried about financial conditions tightening, so the dollar safe haven status is not so important. So investors feel more comfortable buying other currencies. I think this is a microcosm of what's going to happen over the next year. So in other words, uh, this analyst is looking at a declining dollar, which uh, by the way is good for gold. So all of this just kind of goes to show how backward the markets are right now. I mean, Inflation means that the dollar is declining in value, right? Its purchasing power is decreasing. It's buying less. It's weak. But in our topsy-turvy world, that made the dollar strong. People bought dollars because the dollar was weak. And now that inflation is supposedly being beaten back, the dollar is getting weak. Meanwhile, gold and silver inflation hedges faced significant headwinds even as inflation ran sizzling hot. And now that Uh, It's cooling, supposedly. 
uh, we're getting a rally in gold and silver. So everything is completely backward, and that's because everything hinges on perception, particularly perception of what the Fed is going to do. And the perception now is that the Fed is going to ease off the monetary tightening accelerator. And of course, some of the folks over at the Fed are feeding into this perception. All of a sudden, you're getting, uh, you're hearing words like gradual and measured uh, in the central banker vocabulary. Dallas Federal Reserve President Lori Logan said, quote, I believe it may soon be appropriate to slow the pace of rate increases so we can better assess how financial and economic conditions are evolving. Chicago Fed head Charles Evans said it's time for the central bank to begin slowing down its blistering pace of interest rate increases, given how high they've already gone, even if inflation data continues surprising to the upside in the coming months. And he actually said this before we got yesterday's uh, October CPI data. Now, the Fed people are tempering this with warnings that the battle isn't over and they're still committed to getting inflation back to 2%, yada, yada, yada. But there is definitely a soft pivot in the rhetoric, at least from some of these uh, Fed officials. Now, we haven't really heard anything from Jerome Powell since the uh, CPI data came out yesterday. So, you know, he's kind of the head honcho and what he says will carry a lot of weight. But, you know, regardless, you're seeing this soft pivot that Peter Schiff was talking about a couple of weeks ago. This all started, by the way, when the bond market was teetering on the edge of collapse about two weeks ago. And, you know, this kind of soft pivot was evident in the FOMC statement. You know, it talked about the cumulative effects of um, of rate hikes, and it kind of hinted that, you know, they may need to kind of slow things down and see how things project into the future. Um, but, of course, as I talked about last week, Jerome Powell threw cold water on that pivot hope with his press conference. He was extremely hawkish. You can go back and listen to last week's show if you didn't and, and kind of get a feel for where the messaging was going after the Fed meeting. Regardless, the market perception, and again, perception is reality, the market perception is that the Fed is pivoting, and that's what matters right now, at least as far as what we're seeing in the markets. So, the thing that's that's significant to me is that this CPI data and the way that you can spin it and the way that it's being read sets things up nicely for a real pivot when something breaks in the economy. And as I've already said, I still think with interest rates at 4%, trillions of dollars in debt sloshing around in the economy, something is going to break in the near future. I have no idea what it is. I think it'll be a surprise. But when that happens, the Fed is going to be able to say, hey, look, we did pretty good with this inflation thing. We're making progress. We need to do something to deal with this imminent crisis because that's the way the Fed people think. And I could be wrong. I mean, this is a different different Fed, I guess. But the track record is that the Fed always comes in on the white horse to rescue the economy. So if something breaks, I don't see any reason to think it's going to act differently. So let's go back and look at the gold and silver markets a little more closely. Um, we actually started the big rally in both gold and silver before the CPI data came out. It started last week. Um, gold pushed above $1,700 an ounce earlier in the week, and it was as high as $1,765 in a day on Thursday after the CPI data. 
Get this, over the five trading days, and this is through yesterday, gold had had one-day rallies of $52, $40, and $49. Now, it's unusual to see those big moves up in the gold market. Um, so that kind of tells you something's bubbling, right? The big rally started last Friday, and actually commodity prices in general uh, spiked with news that China might be close to ending its zero-COVID policy. So this would drastically increase economic activity in China. It would ostensibly uh, increase demand. Um, and so industrial metals, oil, both saw big gains uh, and by the way, this is not good for the Fed. They don't want to see rising commodity prices because that undercuts their inflation fight. They also don't want to see higher demand in China uh, as as that economy opens up because, again, you know, demand is global. It's not just here in the United States. And the whole premise of the inflation fight is we're going to tamp down demand. We're going to get Americans to stop spending so much money. Well, if they start in China really consuming that's not going to help this Fed inflation fight. So this isn't really good news um, for the central bankers. Um, but anyway, as far as gold goes, you know, I don't do a lot of technical analysis, um, but this is pretty interesting. Last Thursday, um, so not yesterday, but November 3rd, gold hit a 52-week low interday. And then on Friday, gold charted a $52 rally. So it was actually an outside reversal week. And that means that gold took out the low from the prior week, and it also took out the high from the prior week and then closed above that prior week high. This kind of um, outside reversal is a trend in technical analysis that typically indicates a broader reversal in trends. So it could mean that we are seeing a significant shift in the gold and silver markets. Uh, Peter Schiff said basically that the gold train has left the station. And uh, I posted an uh, article on the show notes page that has um, that podcast, and you can kind of hear Peter's thoughts on what's going on in the broader gold market. Now, you know, also I've talked about over the last couple of weeks the fact that demand in physical gold has been high for several months. Um, despite the softness in price. Uh, so if we start to see the the paper gold people, the uh, hedge funds, if they start getting bullish on golds and start trying to um, you know, undo some of those shorts, we could see some very quick upward momentum um, back toward 1800. So with the perception that the Fed is going to back off tightening, the falling dollar, strong demand in the physical market, and the technical cues, there are reasons to be very optimistic if you're holding gold right now, especially if you've been accumulating some while the price has been low. Um, and speaking of accumulating gold, I want to touch on central bank gold buying. Central banks added nearly 400 tons of gold in the third quarter, according to the data compiled by the World Gold Council. This was 300% higher than Q3 2021 and came in as the largest third quarter increase in central bank gold reserves since the World Gold Council started keeping records back in 2000. The 393.3 ton net increase 
in central bank gold reserves in Q3 pushed the total for 2022 to 673 tons. Now, that's higher than any annual increase in central bank gold purchases since 1967. So through three quarters, we've already broken uh, all of the records dating back to 1967, and we still have an entire quarter left in the year. Now, part of what drove the big Q3 increase was, quote, unreported buying. In other words, there was a mystery buyer, or perhaps more than one. As the World Gold Council explained, unreported buying in uh, the central bank world isn't unusual. But it is a little bit unusual to see this much unreported buying. Now, the reported Gold buying was driven by a lot of the usual suspects. Turkey has been the biggest gold buyer this year as it's been dealing with a currency crisis. Other emerging market central banks have been accumulating steadily over the last year or so. Uh, These banks include India, uh, Qatar, or Qatar. It was Qatar when I was a kid, and then it turned into Qatar for a while. I think it might be Qatar again. Uh, Anyway, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Mozambique uh, was a buyer in the third quarter. So a lot of emerging market banks that are looking to shore up their own currencies and diversify their reserves. But who was the mystery buyer? So the leading suspects are China and Russia. Makes sense, right? I've seen some speculation, and it's a little bit disconcerting, that China might be gearing up to do something that could bring on economic sanctions. The most likely thing would be to make some kind of move on Taiwan. Uh, If it were to do something like that, it would certainly want to limit its exposure to dollars, shore up the yen with gold. Um, Buying gold would make a lot of sense in that scenario. And of course, Russia is already dealing with the sting of sanctions. Pretty much anything the Russians do has to be covert. So either one of those or both could be the mystery gold buyers. Now, I've heard some conspiracy theories that central bank gold buying is some kind of concerted effort to keep gold out of our hands. So basically, the global powers are hoarding gold, so we can't have any. But, you know, you have to think about how much gold is out there. And yes, the central bank buying is significant. It's a lot of gold. Um, It's a big increase over what we've seen over the last couple of years. But I don't think it's enough to create a gold shortage. Um, Certainly significant enough to impact the price to some degree. And I think it's more important to kind of sit back and think about why are central banks buying gold? What is this signaling uh, in terms of the global economy, the dollar, these types of things? Um, But I can't see a scenario where governments have all of the gold and we don't have any. Um, There are just Too many more mundane reasons that central banks are pumping up their gold reserves, again, primarily to minimize exposure to the dollar and to shore up weak domestic currencies. So, yeah, it's interesting. The central bank gold buying is interesting. I'm just not inclined to get conspiratorial. But then again, that's kind of my nature anyway. I kind of look for the obvious explanations, not discounting the possibility of of conspiracies, but... You know, I, I really just think that this, that, that the the mystery buying probably has to do more with foreign policy and uh, a desire to get away from the dollar than it does, um, you know, some kind of operation to make sure we can't have gold. Um, if there is that kind of operation going on, I guess you should probably be buying all the gold you can right now, right? Um, anyway, so... 
that's pretty much what I wanted to cover for today. A little shorter show than what I've been doing over the last couple of weeks. I have to confess, I'm dragging this week. I don't feel great. And uh, my enthusiasm for reporting economic news is kind of low. So I'm going to wrap up this gold wrap. We'll see how the markets swing as they continue to digest the CPI news. And of course, I'm sure that Jerome Powell is going to trot out and start uh, jawboning. So we'll see what his rhetoric does to the markets. Uh, I, I don't think it'll take a lot to turn us back to pessimism. Um, you know, really, when you get down to it, it's what does the Fed actually do? The markets swing day to day on what the Fed says, but what is most significantly is what is the Fed going to do? I don't think we're going to see a hard pivot until something breaks in the economy. But meanwhile, uh, we could still continue to see this soft pivot. Um, and again, looking at the technicals, I think things look pretty good for gold. But there is still time to get in on what I still think is silver and gold on sale. And if you want to take advantage of what is still a relatively low price in the 1750s, uh, while they laugh, last, talk to a shift gold precious metal specialist. You can do that today. Just call 1-888-GOLD-160. Email them, info at shiftgold.com, or you can go to the website, shiftgold.com. Go to the Getting Started page, and you can actually chat with a precious metal specialist right there. And you know what's cool about these guys is they will talk to you. They'll look at your portfolio, your investment strategies, what you're trying to do, your goals, and and talk to you about how precious metals can fit into your um, into your investment strategy. So do that today. These guys are fantastic. Can't recommend it enough. Again, one eight 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 Gold One Sixty. I want to wish all of the veterans out there a uh, a good Veterans Day and. Um, with that, we'll call it a gold wrap for the week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more. Keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. Of course, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're on the Google thing. Uh, and also, of course, on YouTube, you can find links to all of this stuff. Over on the show notes page, you can email me at mmeharry at shiftgold.com. If you want to drop me a note, I always appreciate hearing from people. I try to usually get back to you. Sometimes I don't, but I really try to answer my email. So, uh, And always love hearing from folks. I've gotten some good show ideas there, so feel free to do that. And have a fantastic weekend. I'll talk to you all again next week.